0: Let's open God's Word, and today we are reading from Numbers 11, from verse 1 to uh, 20. This is God's Word. Now the people complained about their hardship in the hearing of the Lord, and when He heard them, His anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So that place was called Taberah, because fire from the Lord has burned among them. The rebel with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at low cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks. Onions and garlic But now we have lost our appetite We never see anything but, but this manna The manna was like coriander seed And looked like a resin The people went around gathering it And then ground it in a hand mill Or crushed it in a mortar They cooked it in a pot Or made it into loaves And it tasted like something made with olive oil When the deal settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. The Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What what have I done to displease you, that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you are going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes, and do not let me face my own ruin. The Lord said to Moses, Bring me seventy of Israel's elders who are long to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting, that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed, if only we have meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day or two days or five days. 10 or 20 days, but for a whole month, until it comes out of your nostrils, and you will know it, because you have rejected the Lord, who is among you, and have wailed before him, saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? This is God's word.
1: Amen. Thanks, Jehovah. Good morning. And after the reading of that word, all God's people said... <laughs> Amen. What am I going to talk about this morning? If you're visiting with us this morning, we welcome you, and we trust that God will have something appropriate and relevant for your life, as well as for ours. This morning's message is particularly—they usually are anyway—but this one particularly is has to be directed to God's people, to those who know the Lord Jesus and who seek to follow him. This morning's topic is about the way we use our mouth and especially there are lots of ways that we use our mouth and sometimes inappropriately. Today we're going to focus upon this very serious sin called complaining and I hope to amplify that for you and work our way through it. Uh, Because it was a shortened week with a public holiday, then I started this (laughs) message a little bit later and ended up with way too many notes and stories and things, and then have been spending the last 48 hours trying to prune it down. So I've got it down. What I'm not confident of is the order that it's in. So we'll wait and see how... (laughs) what God brings to pass shall we Um, we're going to pray and then we're going to jump in let's pray together heavenly father we acknowledge that you are our sovereign lord you order our steps you appoint our days you give us both blessings and hard times and you have given us abundant instruction in your word of what you require of your people and how we should behave we ask this morning that you would make it clear for us help us to listen and help us to evaluate ourselves in the light of your truth and your standards and help us to make choices that will align our lives with your will that we might be the recipients of your blessings and pleasure lord speak to us we pray in jesus name And everybody said? The importance of a beautiful tongue. Apart from those people who pierce their tongue, we tend to overlook it, don't we? Usually it's hidden away, except sometimes it makes an appearance. We don't shop for it, we don't diet for it, we don't go to the gym for it, and yet it's that little tongue that makes us beautiful people or not. Far more so than the way we look on our face or our figure or our physique or our wardrobe or our income or even our position and status at work. The thing that makes us an attractive person, a beautiful person, is the way we speak. Very plain people can be very attractive people because of the beauty of their words. And sometimes the beauty of their silence. The tongue can heal bruises and hurts. Ask any little two year old. The tongue can soothe agitated tempers. Soft word turns away wrath. It can give hope to the despondent and it points the way to the living God, the Lord Jesus. The tongue has an amazing power, both positive and negative. Though it's small and out of sight, the Bible does tell us that it can produce good or evil. And often in all of our lives, it does both. James chapter 3 talks about it being like a rudder of a ship, small. But it actually influences and directs the course of that ship. Our tongue directs the course of our life. And James even uses, sadly, it's also like a little spark that can set on the whole forest on fire. And in light of the bushfires we've been having lately, you can see the devastation that can come from just one little spark. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. And many a suicide note has begun with the words they said. Thanks, Ken. Let's go with the first one. The tongue reveals a lot about us. What is on the inside is what comes on the outside. We can usually cover things up. Let's go to the next one. Scripture says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We can be nice people, but eventually what's in here comes out here, in the way we speak and in what we say. The good man out of the good treasure brings forth good things, and the evil person out of the evil treasure which is over them will bring forth yucky stuff or the next verse Matthew twenty twelve, 12 verse 36 and 37 at the end of the age we're going to be judged by our tongues the Lord Jesus says I tell you on the day of judgment you will render account for every careless word that you utter every careless word every harmful word every evil word for by your word you will be justified that's amazing by your word you will be condemned what that Jesus is saying what that verse is saying is that if you've been justified by faith in him that that's going to have an impact upon the way you speak by your fruit you will know them and James chapter 3 verses 7-8 the next slide thanks Ken can't tame it it's beyond us to be able to do so all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed have been tamed But nobody can tame the tongue. It can be tamed, but we can't do it by ourselves, is what James is saying to us. Our tongue is like a wild bucking bronco. Just when you think you've got it under control, the wild mustang spirit within us just busts loose. It snorts and it kicks and it bites and it thrashes about. What's interesting, just as an aside quickly, It's also interesting that Jesus says to his disciples, remain here in Jerusalem and you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what's the first target the Holy Spirit aims for? The tongue. The disciples end up speaking in tongues, in languages, but under the control of the Spirit. And Peter, the apostle who denied Jesus and swore and cursed, that one, he stood up under the power of God's Spirit. Now under his control, he confronts those who had killed Jesus rejected him. they he corrects them, he challenges them, and 3,000 people respond. The Holy Spirit can help us to control our tongue. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, self-control. Well, we know all of that. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5 to 9, there's this amazing story of this prophet who says in verse 5, Woe is me, I am ruined. He's had this vision of God in his temple and he's, the robe of his, um, his robe and the trail of the robe fills the temple it's huge in glory and Isaiah declares I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst people of unclean lips and then an angel comes with a torch from the coal from the altar and touches his lips symbolically cleanses him and having been cleansed he then says here am I send me it's the same pattern in the New Testament confession I have unclean lips cleansing by Jesus and then commissioned sent forth. God still operates in the same way today. When we become aware of who God is and how holy he is, we will become very conscious that we need to watch our tongues. When we're ready to serve God, then we need to let God cleanse our tongues. As I said, we can't do it by ourselves. We have to submit and rely on God. He has to be in control of our life. If we're the wild bronco horse, he has to be the rider controlling us. We have to hand the reins of our life over to him. And certainly when it comes to this topic this morning, the tongue, and God has given to us a great deal of information and instructions, and he expects us to read it, to use it, to respond to it, to learn from it. In fact, we have these little things that you pop in your mouth, and they're called breath fresheners. Well, let me challenge you this morning of... Take a verse, any one of the verses that will flash up in a moment. And commit them to memory. Let them be breath freshness, tongue freshness for you and your life. Write them on a card and stick them on the mirror at home or on the dash of your car or in a card and stick it in your pocket or on your phone or whatever. Memorise it. Do so as a family. Do it with your connect group. Pick a verse that's relevant from tonight's, uh, this morning's message and commit it to memory it'll be like a breath freshener the Holy Spirit will be able to use that in your life who do you think complains more older people or younger people men or women rich or poor We all do it, don't we? Every single one of us. It's in our nature. It's in our nature to complain. It's a sin. It's wrong. But it's in our nature. It's our bias. We are bent that way. It's driven by selfishness. It's seeing life through our perspective. Started with Adam. When God caught him in sin in the garden, who did Adam blame? The woman. And God. Did you weed from the tree I told you not to weed from? The woman you gave to be with me. The woman. The woman. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were ignoring me. <laughs> you gave to be with me. And I reached out and I ate. Turns to the woman. What is the, what, who does the woman blame? The snake. You turn to the snake and? Doesn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> I've must have said that about 10 times over the years. I'll just keep saying it. I keep getting reactions. It's in our nature, that's the point, for us to sin. So, question, honest question. When was the last time you complained? Turn to the person beside you and tell them. Was it this morning? Coming in the car? Walking up the driveway? When you got inside the building? When you sat down? I was doing fine till the service started. <laughs> Don't like that song. Doing okay until I got up to speak and went, Oh no, not again. Can't we have somebody else? When was the last time you complained? Would you agree that we live in a very complaining society? It's a habit that we develop and therefore it's a habit that we can change. Not easily, and we can't do it by ourselves, but it can be changed. Let's flash up Philippians 2.14. Here is a great memory verse for us. The Apostle Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do everything. Not do most things, not do Christian things. Do everything without grumbling or complaining. They've done a survey of what the top five things were. You can Google it. You can look up all your different ones. Here are the top 50 from Britain. I'm not going to give you all 50, but see if you would say, if this is true for you, if this causes you to complain, or it's a frustration and it's an annoyance for you, then just sing out something, say so you agree. Bad customer service, getting cold calls on your phone, people pushing into queues, sitting in traffic, Wi-Fi not connecting, <laughs> weather, noisy neighbors, public transport that's not working can't find a car park the behaviour of teenagers and children people who walk along looking at their phones (laughs) (laughs) receiving a we missed you card from a flopping parcel delivery now you've got to go to the post office to pick it up door to door salesman having no phone signal um People who won't hold doors open for you, no? Noisy eaters. (laughs) Running low on your battery. Discovering you're sitting behind a tall person at a concert. (laughs) Returning to work after a holiday. Going shopping and forgetting your bags. Getting caught in the rain without an umbrella, bad hair days, graffiti, getting a bad haircut. The top five, according to one survey, the number one thing that causes us to complain is traffic. Queuing up in traffic. Number two, buffering, slow Wi-Fi. You know that circle of death that comes on, you can't get a signal, you can't watch a movie or whatever it is. Uh, next was uh, marital complaints. The wife taking too long to get ready. The husband always being too late, whatever. Number five, oh, number, whatever number it is, four, long lines. Whether at the airport or at the supermarket or wherever. And then finally, number five was complaining against God. Why? Why did this happen? Why did you do this to me? What is your will? Why can't I find it? And I came across this, this is not overly instructive for most of us, but if you're a woman and you're single, here's some very helpful advice for you. Here is the perfect man. The perfect man wakes at 6am every day. He makes his own bed. Sounds attractive already, doesn't he, girls? (laughs) He exercises every day. He cleans his own room. He works consistently, he even helps in the kitchen. He goes home every night and he never goes out and he goes to bed by 9pm. Sound all right? Where do you find this perfect man? In prison. <laughs> <laughs> Be grateful for what you've got. Thanks, Ken. Next. We've done that one. Next. What is complaining? three questions this morning what is it why should we stop it and how do we stop it what is complaining well we've already established that we do it that everybody does it and I hope you agree with me that we are self-confessed we shouldn't do it but we need to be clear well what is it that we're talking about you look up the dictionary or other words you do some work for a second we've got a few minutes give me another word for complaining shout it out grumbling. whinging grumbling Oh, that's it, we've exhausted it. Criticised. Criticised, okay, yep. Grumbling, whining, griping, venting, moaning, murmuring, muttering, growling, grumpy, denouncing, nitpicking, fault-finding, killjoy and a malcontent. That's about half of the words in the English language to describe this particular area that we have the dictionary says i've simplified it down because i like simple definitions to express dissatisfaction and discontent with whatever's going on in your life to express dissatisfaction and discontent and i would add the word inappropriately it's a spiritual problem what we're talking about this morning um, because it's focused on what I want, what I think, what I prefer. It's driven by self-pity or self-frustration or whatever. It's a failure to look up, to trust God. Where is God in what's going on? God's got a plan for us, says to Jeremiah. I know the plan I have for you. But that doesn't mean it's locked in, preordained, and you can't avoid it. It's, you've got to cooperate with God. We can miss God's plan and best for our lives and complaining knocks us out of ignoring God's purpose for our life when we complain we are in fact attacking God that's how God took it in Numbers chapter 11 the Lord heard the people complaining we don't have enough food we remember Egypt that's what complaining does it helps you to forget the pain of the past and you glorify the pleasures of the past but they're talking about being slaves in Egypt and they said we want to go back that's what complaining does spiritual amnesia or something and ultimately God knows that their complaining is about him and his purposes and his intentions and they didn't like it and they weren't going to trust God to get them through it and interestingly God heard their complaint and he said okay that's your complaint I'll give it to you and he does there's another time they whinge they're about to go into the promised land Um, it should have been like an 11 day trip And after about a year, Mount Sinai, then it should have been six days from there into the promised land. But on that trip, they'd been instructed, they'd been saved, they'd got God's will, they have become organised, they've got the priest, they've got the tabernacle. Everything is set to go to the promised land. And on the way, they complain, Numbers 14. They, They whinge and they moan again against Moses and against God. And then God says, right, that's it. I've had it with this generation. 40 years into the wilderness. They complained, we're not going to get into the promised land. We won't make it. And God said, well, because you've complained about it, now you won't. What if God did that to us? What if the very thing we're complaining about, God says, well, if you're not going to trust me, if you're not going to do with it like I've instructed you to do, then I'm going to make that happen in your life. I'll bring to pass your greatest fears complaining attacks God are all complaints sinful yes or no are all complaints sinful yes no the is no there is a thing a legitimate complaint we're not talking about those a legitimate complaint is where you raise it with the right person because you're seeking advice or you're seeking some help or action to change and fix a situation. That's not the complaining I'm talking about. That's why they have complaint sections in malls or restaurants or call centres or ombudsman or things because it's a broken, messed up world and so things need fixing. So we're not talking about giving a complaint which is in an appropriate way to an appropriate person. What we're talking about is whinging to somebody else who has no, who, and you have no intentions of changing it or fixing it. You're just venting, moaning and murmuring about it. That's what we're talking about. Um, we need to learn to take our problems to the right person who can do something about it. So be that a counsellor or be that someone, an authority in society or, or, or whatever it is. Or you go to a friend and you talk to them about it, but the motivation is, I need help, I need advice, I need direction. Can you help me to fix this? Because that's what I want to do, I want to fix it. But the people who just want to talk about it, who don't want to do anything, that's the complaining. So what is complaining? It is an inappropriate expression of discontent. A failing to take it to the proper authority or to God himself. It's failing to trust God by submitting to his sovereign plan for our lives and it's a serious sin against God. Matthew twelve, thirty-six. every careless word we utter. We need to be aware. Next, Ken, why? Why should we stop complaining? Well, I'm sure you can think of many reasons but the most obvious one is well, because it's a very serious sin. And it's against God. God could stop the bad things that are happening in the world. And it is God who is allowing it to happen. It may not be what God wants for us. But he's nonetheless the sovereign one who is aware of the whole situation. And he is allowing it for a reason, for a purpose. As frustrating as that is. So don't give up, look up. Look to him. Lord, how do I hang on? What are you doing? because what good will come out of this whinging moaning complaining that has no intentions of fixing anything what will i achieve by complaining on social media or to anyone else the answer is nothing why should we stop complaining well one author says it's like stealing you're robbing something from other people their joy and you're infecting them with your sinful attitude it's also vandalism you're painting a one-sided picture, your perspective on what's going on. You're throwing mud against the situation or against somebody else and therefore it's quite damaging and hard. If we look to God, then we can trust and hope, pour out our hearts to him. But if we look just at the situation, then that can become quite frustrating and leave us hopeless. So we need to look up in the midst of all life's frustrations. Have a look at Philippians 2, four, and 14 and 15 again. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that. Why should we stop complaining? Well, so that we can be pure and blameless. The children of God, shining like our stars in a dark world. Why should we stop complaining? Because it affects our witness. Because it affects who we are in the world, in this dark world. The world complains. God calls us as his people to not complain inappropriately not to whinge not to moan but to speak the truth in love we represent our heavenly father and the lord jesus and we do so by not complaining and we do so by trusting and submitting to him and if we stop complaining then the light shines and if we can stop complaining altogether then our light will shine even brighter the lord jesus never complained And his light shone very bright. When you look up at the sky, stars at night, it's a beautiful sight, but what stops us seeing the, the stars? Answer? Clouds. When we complain, it's becoming overcast and we don't shine as bright. That's why we should stop complaining because God wants the life of God, the light of God in us um, to shine out from us it's his life in us radiating to those around us so why should we stop complaining well because it's a serious sin against God it's not loving to other people it steals people of their joy it vandalizes people's views um, it harms reputations it's contagious you ever notice that it infects others the people of Israel in Numbers 11 start complaining and then Moses starts complaining The difference is they complained about God, but not to God, whereas Moses complained to God. Which is why he gets preserved and they get destroyed. Ultimately, though, we should stop complaining because it undermines our gospel witness. Nothing good comes of it. The best ad for the gospel of the Lord Jesus is a transformed life. So, complaining... Or proclaiming? Our choice. What are we going to do? Next slide, Ken. 1 Corinthians 10 is a great chapter, and it's Paul's looking back to that passage, Numbers 11, 12, 13, 14, and so on. is a great story about the children of Israel complaining. There's a record they did it 10 times, if you go through and count it up, from Exodus 16 all the way through to Numbers 16. Nevertheless, God wasn't pleased with them, Paul writes. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on things as they did. They complained and whinged and God punished them. God wrote that in the Bible as an example for us. Next slide. Do not grumble, as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angels. These things happened to them as examples And were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. This story in Numbers is a warning and an example for us. Don't do that. We've been warned. And God will hold us accountable. This verse is not going to appear up there. I jumped over it. I left it out. But in James chapter 5 and verses 8 and 9, it talks about... um, this issue of grumbling and James says something which is quite startling and you've got to think about it he says be patient then brothers and sisters until the Lord's coming just like the farmer is patient you too be patient stand firm because the Lord's coming is near don't grumble against one another verse 9 or you will be judged the judge is standing at the door don't grumble against one another brothers and sisters or you will be judged when it says or you will be judged he's writing to believers it's you will be judged you will be called to an account for every word that you've done you won't be punished for your sin that's been dealt with in jesus but you'll be called to an account what did you do what did you say god wants our light to shine we need to move on next next How do we stop complaining? Here are four quick ways, and this is not exhaustive, but this is what I've come up with. Number one, we need to increase our awareness of when it's happening for us. How do you do that? Well, here's an exercise. At the end of the day, pick a week, and do it every day for a week. Get a book. And at the end of the day, go through the day and try to recall or write down everything you complained about, whinged about, thought about, said against somebody else, write it in the book and see how you go for the day. Do it for a week. Raise your awareness. When you go to coffee with somebody, make an agreement with them that, okay, we're not going to talk about anybody in their absence. We're not going to complain or murmur or run anybody else down. Agreed? Good. See how far you go. It's our predisposition. We do it so easily. We do it without even being aware we're doing it. So we need to raise our awareness of when it's happening. Oh, by the way, if you write it in your book and you have got people's names down, you know, date it when that happens. <laughs> then if you really want to light a fire that'll start a bushfire, take it to the person you wrote about and get them to write a comment. That would be challenging, wouldn't it? and terrible John Wesley had one rule for Methodists the one rule was we were not, a Methodist is not to speak any about the faults of an absent person comma especially ministers that's what John Wesley said it's a good rule isn't it amen, amen. no that's not loud enough <laughs> Don't speak about the faults of any other person in their absence unless you're talking to somebody about how do I fix this? How do I address this? My motivation is not to complain and run down. My motivation is to help. Become aware when we're doing it. Your kids are listening to you. Number two make sure you're talking to the right person. So it makes it a, a legitimate complaint not to the wrong person and that's where we as a church community can help one another you probably do too but because we're pastors we have people come to us all the time and they want to talk about somebody else and like I said that's okay if the motivation is how do I fix this what do I do about this how do I address this issue And the question I often ask, and I'm quite sure Pastor Charlie, Pastor David, Pastor Brendan and Alvin will do the same, it's what do you want me to do with this information? Are you going to go see the person or are we going to go see the person or how is that going to work? That's where we can help each other. Because when you are having coffee and the guard is down and you do start saying things inappropriately and unfairly, then if you're listening to it, then ask them the question. I understand what's going on and it's terrible, but what do you want to do about it? And then depending on the depth of your closeness, your, your friendship, you may be able to have enough courage to be able to say to them, um, well, then we shouldn't be talking about it if you're not going to do anything. And it's a gentle correction. But I appreciate you can't do that for everybody because you're hurt and offend and upset and we, we're very good at coming up with excuses for not doing the right thing. Number three, Trust God. If you can't go to anyone else, go to him. And don't go to him protesting, like they often do in the Psalms, but go to him in prayer. Don't go to him doubting, go to him in dependence. Lord, don't go to him waving your fists about this situation, but go in faith, saying, God help, what can you do? And then associated with this is also trusting him and then thanking him. Focusing on the good things that God is doing in our life. Next slide, Ken. Philippians 4. This is a good memory verse. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Present your requests, not your complaints. Your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In every situation, go to God. Talk to him about it. He's our loving Heavenly Father who loves to hear from us, who's waiting to hear from us. Next slide, Ken. Is your problem the problem? Or is it your attitude to the problem the problem? That's worth tweeting, isn't it? Is your problem your problem is it the problem or is it your attitude to the problem to your problem that's the real problem it's worth thinking about or again next when we focus on what God is not doing we don't notice what he is doing it's true isn't it and then you can see the spiritual warfare coming in that's where Satan wants us to go he wants us to take our eyes off God he wants us Like back in the garden, think we have to do it in our own strength in our own way. Basically, as one author said, if you're going to complain about something, then don't bother praying about it. If you're going to complain about something, don't bother praying about it. If you're going to pray about something, don't bother complaining about it. Trust God that he'll work it out. God wants us to shock the world by being positive, pleasant, thankful truth tellers loving next what is it the complaining I'm talking about is the inappropriate complaining where we're intending to hurt and harm where we're venting where we're just sounding forth we have no intentions of doing anything about it in fact because we are so sinful we want to persuade the other people to support us and be on our side and suddenly it's us against them That's what we're talking about. And God hates it. He doesn't like it at all. Why stop it? Well, for a multitude of reasons. But the best one is because it'll ruin your witness for the Lord Jesus. It'll have a spiritual impact in the kingdom. Satan will be clapping. How do you stop it? Well, increase your awareness of it. Talk to the right person. And look to God. Trust him and thank him for the things that he is doing and that he will do. Bottom line is God is at work in the world. He is achieving his purposes and he invites us to cooperate with him. And he invites us to use our words, our mouth, our tongue in that cooperation process. Let's pray together. Father in heaven... In you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know everything. And you know the best. We ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see the clarity of your word on this issue particularly. And that you would give us the grace that we might understand it. And give us the will to choose to obey it, to choose your way and to trust you through it. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, let's stand together.